title of the lesson today is The Wicked Husbandmen, or, or I should say Husbandmen, the tenants. Uh, it's a parable that Jesus is speaking in word pictures. The Jews were extremely familiar with the story, with the pictures that he was using. <clears throat> we find this in Matthew 21. In our text today, verse 33 through 42, uh, 44 actually, but then it is in Mark chapter 12, verse 1 through 12, and it's in Luke. So it's repeated in three of the Gospels. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 20, verse 9 through 18. <clears throat> um, the story of the Householder or owner planting a vineyard. Let's read our scriptures. Verse 33. Brother Jeff, if you'll start it and we'll come up. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it around about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and led it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. Well, last of all, he sent unto them the son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard, vineyard came, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He was he will he will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits of their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to a dirt. Do you want to be broken or ground to powder? The decision is yours. Yes, yes. Jesus is talking in pictures. Uh, this parable is kind of a hybrid. It, you know, if we got, I guess, <laughs> a little technical or whatever, uh, it, it's really like an allegory and a parable. But it is so plain to them, all of a sudden, right in front of their eyes and their ears, they're seeing their history, their life portrayed. And also, they're seeing Jesus, his claim that he is the son 
of God. He's making it very plain to them. <clears throat> this is uh, uh, in several references here into the Old Testament, the scriptures, they call them in the New Testament. In Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, the vineyard stands for the nation of Israel. Anybody in here ever carefully, meticulously planted grapevine and got fruit? See how far it is from our culture? <laughs> I, I, I saw a couple of grapevine one time little old bitty things that I should have known. But anyway, I, I went, I planted them, and I thought, I'm going to have me some grapes. I like, I like grapes. I like fresh grapes. I am, I am in no way implying that I want to ferment them and do that kind of stuff. And I don't, I, we don't even get in that. <clears throat> Ain't necessary. But I thought, and I went out there after a while, and they did a little um, virtually nothing. They didn't really grow. I didn't do something right or they were not vigorous enough. I don't know what it was, but they no longer exist. They didn't make it. But I know one thing, it takes a while. Yeah. If the owner of a vineyard goes according to the law, the Jewish law, when they plant a vineyard, if you'll notice in here, it's carefully planned, it's carefully constructed, they have a border around it to keep out predators. They have a tower for a man to watch over it. It's very important. I heard one, I think it may have been a preacher say that over there in that desert type place, it's not like this, uh, they'll actually find a rock way down under the ground, under the ground, not how far, but they'll plant that plant over that rock. So those roots will grow down around that rock because that rock over the daytime temperature, nighttime temperature fluctuation, moisture will be at that rock. And they, they, it's, it's crazy. It, it's something else, the culture of the vine. <clears throat> but if they go according to the law, when they plant the vineyard, say they plant it this year, and they, we would say in America, rent it, lease it, it's five years before they collect their first payment. It takes five years to even begin to get things going. Remember the sermon Brother Shad preached at uh, Savannah, living in the fourth year? <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> Talking about a man coming to you and saying, look, this, this ain't producing nothing. This is Second, no, third year. This is the third year I've come and there is no fruit. And he told his caretaker, cut this thing down. Why in the world does it even bother the ground? But the caretaker said, Lord, please let us try it one more year. Give it one more opportunity to bear fruit. <clears throat> and he, he titled his sermon, what, living in the fourth year. Are you living in the fourth year? In other words, is God giving you one more opportunity yes, Lord. before he cuts it down. <clears throat> but in this parable, it tells us uh, we have the owner of the vineyard. We have the caretakers of the vineyard. We have the messengers that came. We have the son. 
the vineyard representing Israel and the messengers, the prophets coming and the Lord being so patient. <clears throat> In our day in that we live, there are very few sinners, people that admit I'm a sinner. I know I'm not right with God. I've only heard one man do that in a few years. Just in conversation, people having conversations. You know, how you doing today? Well, what you doing? Uh, I did this over the weekend, blah, blah, blah. One man over the radio at where I work, he said, oh, I, I guess I'm just uh, sinning. Thought, that may be hope for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a first step. You got to admit and then confess. But <clears throat> people are so proud. They refuse to humble themselves and repent. Sadly, Christians will get in the same position. We won't allow the Lord to have his will. We won't self-will. <clears throat> we won't surrender the way of God, the will of God. Uh, we don't want to be broken. We'd rather be ground to powder. <clears throat> I'd rather be broken than crushed yeah. under the Lord. Yeah. I remember the story, I think it was uh, uh, R.A. Tory, I believe, maybe, that went to the man in the hospital and he was praying for him. He said, hold on. He said, be careful how you pray because he said, the Lord put me here because I refused to surrender to him all these years. <clears throat> he knew what was going on. God was trying to get his attention. But <clears throat> I don't want to get in that position. No, we don't have to. We don't have to. We listen to his word and obey his word. <clears throat> but in our, in our parable, in the story here, Jesus uses this uh, and he lays it out very plain. The vineyard is prepared by its owner. God has made provision for our redemption. He did the work. He prepared. Uh, he planted the vineyard, put a hedge about it. He dug the wine press, expecting fruit, expecting wine. He built a tower so the watchman could carefully watch over it. Then we have Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God. How do you read that? In your own version. I get, I'm saying that carefully now. But do you say, in the beginning, man? Or maybe, in the beginning, God. But he, he, he just didn't know exactly how to do it right. So I'm going to do it. You know? <clears throat> God created the heavens and the earth. He, he laid out. The Garden of Eden of all places. Put man in there to caretake it. And man sinned. God placed man in charge of the earth. We were here to have dominion over it. As long as we had fellowship with the Lord, things were going God's way. But sin changed the scene. It altered the whole history of man. It altered the world. It altered creation. 
Because God cursed the ground, and that's why we have to fight weeds and plagues and some of the bugs, not the beneficial ones, but the ones that are stinging you and aggravating you. There's a curse of sin on this earth. One day, the Lord is going to take that off. Man. Old Brother English used to come to our church when I was probably about eight or nine years old, and he'd preach, you know. He'd kind of do out like C.M. Ward when he was preaching. If he was on the front row and he was preaching, he'd probably spit on you. And he'd go at it, man. But he'd say, yeah, in the millennium reign, and I'd be dreaming, you know, the millennium. Thousand year reign of Christ on this earth right here. He said the head of cabbage is going to weigh 33 pounds. You know, I, he was just, <laughs> you know, he, and he would, he had stuff, you know, scripture and all to, to back that up. And I'm thinking, I can't wait to that time <laughs> when the curse of sin will be <clears throat> squashed. <laughs> but <clears throat> how are we doing right now? <laughs> After all Solomon done, he said, remember the creator in the days of your youth. I don't want to give God what has been or what's left over. I want to give him all of my life, young and old. <clears throat> the householder is God. He created the world and all that's in it. We had so many scriptures we could read. Genesis 1 and 2, John 1, 1 through 3. Jesus, here he is standing there telling the parable, and he is the creator. God is the sole authority. He gives life. He takes life. That's hard. But it's true. He's the giver. He's the taker. After all he took from Job, what did Job do? He humbled himself down and worshiped his creator. Mm. What kind of relationship do we have with the Lord when things get a little sideways or things break or things just don't go good all day long? Everything you touch falls apart. How? Do we still worship? I'm not prepared. <clears throat> Jesus is our example. Job's not, but Job is a, is a good record yeah <laughs> he sent servants to receive the fruits in verse 33 he prepares the uh, vineyard builds a hedge around it does all this preparation then he goes into a far country verse 34 when the time there's nothing like timing oh God's timing mm. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen. He sent his prophets to Israel <clears throat> and that they might receive the fruits of it. What John say? Bring forth fruits, proving your repentance from sin. <clears throat> the husbandmen, the nation of Israel, what is so awful about this? The ones who are in charge of killing these was the religious one. Same way all through history. How will you and I do 
in our record of our life and when that last photograph is taken, I guess now we call it, a, what do we call it, a digital snap or picture. I don't know what the language is now, but <laughs> when that last one is taken and we draw our last breath, how will we stand before the Lord? What will our fruit look like? <clears throat> uh, the husbandmen, the nation of Israel, the religious leaders, took his servants of prophets, beat them, kill them, stoned them. He sent more. They did like they did to the others. Likewise, then he sent unto them his son. And in the story, in the parable, the owner said, they'll reverence my son. But when Israel, when the husbandmen saw the son, they said, uh-oh, here's the heir. And no way are we going to surrender and let him have what we've worked on. We ain't going to come under his rule. <clears throat> they caught him, cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. Then he asked them the question, and they answered it to their own condemnation. <clears throat> uh, in this parable, we see... Uh, Certain things about man. We'll say, I guess number one, and we see certain things about God. <clears throat> and you know, in in a few of the parables that Jesus taught, uh, some of them are really sometimes difficult to get the clear total meanings. This one's not. This one is clear. <laughs> Even the those that were hearing. Yes. As he was telling it, they could see unfolding before their very eyes. <clears throat> their condemnation. <laughs> their responsibility. Woo. But we see in here the primary sin of man. What's the primary sin of man? Rebellion. Against authority. What kind of bizarre year are we living in? I have never seen one like it. I really haven't. Culturally and nationally, and really globally, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Czechoslovakia or Brazil, or you know, I don't know much about them. But I can know some of what's going on in Georgia, in Atlanta, in the big cities in America, and it is bizarre. It's terrible. <laughs> It is an indicator of what's underlying and in the foundation, what's left of it, of our culture. <clears throat> when we cast off God, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? I remember Brother Joey Hyatt preaching on that. <clears throat> uh, before the householder left the vineyard, to the care of the husband, he laid down rules, commands, guidelines. Uh, he said, I own the land. You follow these guidelines. We'll share in the harvest. <clears throat> um, instead of being thankful, man 
begin to feel they owned the vineyard and can do with it whatever they desire. And I know the vineyard is what it is and, and he's aiming it primarily at Israel. <clears throat> but if we could look at it maybe in this way that each of us, God has given us our life, which we are living it out in our body, our physical body. And if we could say it that way, in a, in a, in a careful way, this is our vineyard. God has prepared us a body. He's given us breath, the spirit of man to live, to be alive, to do things. Really, we are created in his image and he's given us breath. He can take that life out just like that and we be gone. What are we doing with what God has committed to our stewardship, our care? <clears throat> they felt they could do with it whatever they wanted to. They weren't going to come under the owner's uh, rules. <clears throat> In Jeremiah 32 and 33, they have turned unto me the back and not the face. I used to wonder why they, you know, they would joke around about payday, you know. Are you going to come face to face and receive your check? Or are you going to back up and say, how will we come before the Lord? We're going to be face to face where we want to or not. <clears throat> he said, though I taught them, rising up early teaching them, they have not hearkened to receive instruction. In one place in the prophet, he said, this is the way, walk in it. I've showed it to you. And what did they say? We will not. We will not walk in it. <clears throat> and we know, and Brother Jeff preached on it and said it many times in 1 Samuel 15, where uh, Samuel came before Saul and was telling him the Lord uh, don't have really a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord. Verse 23, 1 Samuel 15, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. He said, oh, I would never play around in that. If you rebel, equally guilty. Just, it's, it's as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected thee from being king. The Lord sent a prophet over and he picked out Saul over everybody in the whole nation and he's the man. And Saul went so far until the Lord said, you've rejected me, I reject you. Yeah. <clears throat> Included in that rebellion and stubbornness is, a, is a, a thing that we don't hear a lot about but it's also an unteachable spirit. Will not be taught. Uh, one of the scriptures talks about ever learning but never coming to the never able. of Christ. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to, it doesn't matter how old we are, doesn't matter how long we've been saved, we've all got to keep a teachable spirit. Yeah. I don't want to ever quit learning. Mm. 
It, the scripture I just read in, in Jeremiah 32, they have not hearkened to receive instruction. <clears throat> and in Isaiah 30 in verse 1, there's that word in scripture that we always need to pay attention to, woe, W-O-E. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. That cover with a covering. What did Adam and Eve do? They covered something. But it wasn't sufficient. It wasn't God's covering. He said, they cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. That they may add sin to sin. You ever heard that saying? Ugly as homemade sin. Now, just a comment, just a comment. Here it talks about covering with a covering, but not of my spirit. I've heard people that were commenting on, this is just a comment now, please understand that. In passing, I've heard people say, well, Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, they didn't have no clothes. And, and you know, they're simple minded and sometimes just not understanding. But I've heard one, I don't, I don't remember who it was, say that, well, what could have been when they were innocent, not guilty of sin, their covering was the spirit of God. And when they sinned, all of a sudden, that covering left them. And all of a sudden they realized, I am bare. I have no covering before the Lord because the Lord came and communed with them every day. And all of a sudden they realized, no, I can't go before him like this. And so Adam, who did not eat the fruit, unaware, the New Testament tells us, he wasn't deceived. Eve was deceived. We cannot blame that on the weaker sex and say, well, if it wasn't for her, uh, you know, I might not. Uh, 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 can't do that. Adam couldn't either. Even though man has tried all these years, no, no. The responsibility of the man is great <clears throat> because we have such privilege. Our responsibility is very great. But <clears throat> why were these actions committed? They enjoyed being in charge, making their own rules. Mankind has done that. Uh, I wanted to write this up here, at least where you could visually see it maybe. But you have, uh, it tells us certain things about man. We have We'll say human. Can't spell. Human privilege. Put a word in the letter in there. Can't even read it. <clears throat> Man didn't make the vineyard. He didn't create his nothing. God, the owner created these things and gave them to man. God's given us breath. He's given us a body. What if he created us without a fingers or maybe toes or one ear instead of two? The Lord is gracious. He, we have been privileged to be under the owner of the vineyard. But man <clears throat> didn't make it. He didn't create it. He was privileged. He was gave, give, given 
this vineyard. It tells us number two about human <clears throat> sin. People have debated and still do. What is that three letter word? What is sin? Is it anything? Is, is it really such a thing as sin? This parable is telling us, yes it is. We are guilty when we rebel against the owner. When we rebel against God and say, hey, I can do this myself. I won't come under your roof. Even though the Lord sent prophets to them over and over and over, telling them plainly how God wanted them to do things and not do things, they rebelled. Man's doing the same thing now. More high tech than ever. But basically, it's just like Korah, Dathan, Abiram, all them. <clears throat> this has been the story of man who was made in the image of God, a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory. Have you ever thought about man's original glory? And how far we live under that. <clears throat> Adam and Eve disobeyed God before the earth lost the glory of being new. When sin entered man, that sin curse went all over creation. This earth. <clears throat> what does the Bible say? The knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Man, what a day that'll be. <laughs> Adam and Eve disobeyed. Cain murdered his brother. Nimrod led the, the rebellion against God, building, starting the Tower of Babel and that whole thing right there. When they said, hey, let us make us a name. Lest we be scattered abroad. God had done told them, scatter, spread out. And they said, no. We can't afford to do that. We gotta stay, we gotta make our own thing. <clears throat> Mankind has always struggled with self-will, his own way, continuing in sin and disobeying, refusing God. It tells us about man's sin, his rebellion. It's amazing how we hear so many times that term self-made man. Yeah, that's dangerous. There's no such thing as a self-made man. And, uh, and I, I like to pick on people. Sometimes they'll say stuff like, you know, well, well, you know, this is natural. Yeah, okay. So what's wrong? Well, we just take uh, Splenda. I like Splenda, okay? And so they say, well, that's artificial. That's man-made. So, no, man didn't make it. That he pulled the stuff out of natural stuff and, and used it. <clears throat> Everything comes from God. It's like that, that saying about that one guy. He said, you know, I can make man just as good as you can. And he was talking to the Lord. And the Lord said, really? He said, yeah. I said, all you do is take this dirt. And he said, oh, man, you got to have your own dirt. <laughs> right. We can't do anything without, without God. already made for us. Sin is failure to give God his proper place. And usurping authority 
over him and saying, I'll do it like I want to do it. That's human sin. Human responsibility. The day of reckoning will come sooner or later. Man is called to give an account of what he, what was committed to his charge. It took them at least, if they went according to the law, it took them at least five years to ever start or begin collecting rent or any kind of rent. And I think they say that first year, uh, most likely that fifth year, in other words, the first time that they reckoned with each other, it would be some sort of payment, not always in uh, money or fruit from the vine. They had some agreement that they would do that fifth year, <clears throat> uh, however it may have went. But the day of reckoning is going to come. It tells us things about God. It tells us about the patience of God. God's long-suffering is a better word. God's patience. The owner didn't strike at the first sign of rebellion. He gave them opportunity after opportunity. And Jesus even tells a parable of the uh, man in Luke where he said, you know, this is the third year I've come to you and you, there's no fruit. We're cracking it down. And, and the husbandman, the tender, the caretaker said, no, let us fertilize around it and try one more year, which would be in the fourth year. <clears throat> the day of reckoning will come. But God is going to always strike at the first sign of rebellion. He gives opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It tells us of the judgment of God. Or God's judgment. They thought they could presume, and there's a word right there you need to study. Presume. Sins of presumption. They could presume on the patience of the owner or the master, the patience of God, and get away with it. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. God's judgment will come. Sometimes it comes suddenly, but in this case, it was on the day of reckoning. It didn't come the first six months or the first year. Second year, third year, fourth year. But when that time came, that day of reckoning came. God's judgment fell. <clears throat> it also tells us things about Jesus. He knew what was coming ahead of him. He didn't come to Jerusalem thinking, hmm, there might be some way I can escape the cross. He came face to face knowing fully well why he was here, what was going to happen, and he faced it with courage and boldness. Yes, Son of God, Son of Man, the incarnate Christ. Yes, that part of him that was the Son of Man was saying, Lord, Father, if it could be your will, and if there's another way 
that I can not drink of this cup. Nevertheless, not my will. If God is just one, how did you get a will here and a will there? And anyway. He never doubted God's triumph. He knew in the end he would be victorious. And it lays down also his claim to be the son of God. <clears throat> when he came to that part, the owner will send his son. Uh-oh. That's fighting words. <clears throat> God sent his prophets crying, come, let us reason together. You know, in Isaiah 1, 18, 19, I believe it is. Let us uh, reason together. The Lord said, come, let us, let us reason this out. <clears throat> though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing, ah, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the lamb. <laughs> Stephen, when he was being stoned, uh, when he preached and then was stoned, he called them stiff neck. You always resist the Holy Ghost. He didn't mince words. He didn't beat around the bush and try to be diplomatic. He just stabbed them right in the heart. <clears throat> which of the prophets have your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which show before the coming of the just one? In Acts chapter 7, you read his message that he preached. And then they didn't say, oh, that was a good message. Uh, I'd like to have you back for revival someday. Stone flying. And when he looked up, it's all into heaven. And in our lesson, it is titled The Rejected Stone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Uh, I think that verse is in, uh, the, right there in Psalms 118, 22, 23, somewhere right in there. The prophetic utterance. <clears throat> And here we see this stone being rejected. <clears throat> In Galatians, Paul said, when the fullness of time was come, that day of reckoning, that son was sent to the vineyard. God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. He who existed with the father from the creation, from before the creation, eternity past, his brother would say it. <clears throat> he became flesh and dwelt among us. He became a man to reconcile man to God. The uh, Spurgeon outlines this scripture in three points. <laughs> the amazing mission, in other words, God sent his son to reconcile sinful man. What a mission. And then number two, the astounding crime. That man would so mistreat God's son and kill him. Then the appropriate punishment. God will, they said it out of their own mouth, God will miserably destroy 
those who reject Christ. Hmm. Instead of accepting the Lord, they rejected him. We'll do one of two. There is no neutral ground. I know Brother, uh, oh, what was his name in Carolina? He preached uh, living in no man's land. <clears throat> in other words, you think you are not rejecting him or accepting him. You're in between. The old timer farmer man would say, you straddle of the fence. <clears throat> you ever seen anybody live straddle of the fence? <clears throat> they didn't do it long. They had no reverence for the prophets or for the son. The religious leaders should have known better and they led the rebellion. Lord, help us. <clears throat> I've seen some people that lived so good and was so, so, I can say it carefully, used of the Lord. Some of them had great ministries. Some of them had such a great personality, they attracted people to their ministry. And, and rightfully so, when it's carefully done. But after they died, They changed the church building into a house or, you know, and their descendants, if they had children, their descendants might be over yonder doing whatever. And it was it was like a, a flash in the pan, as they call it. In other words, boom, for a brief time in history, but burn out, gone. How will our record be when we are gone? But Lord. <clears throat> People were so privileged. Israel was so privileged to be given and, and be God's vineyard to bring the gospel, the revelation of God's redemption to the world. And they rejected it. They rebelled against it. They said, really? Here's the son. We ain't going to be intimidated by that. He won't tell us what to do. We're going to get along just fine. We don't want him interfering. That's what people are saying today. I don't want God interfering in my life. Because he might do something I don't like. I might want to He might use pain to teach me truth. And I can't take it. That's what they're saying. I've seen people like that. <clears throat> so, they said, we know what to do. We'll just kill him. There'll be nobody else to bother us when we get him killed. And we'll take over this thing completely and we'll have it our way. You ever seen anybody live like that? <clears throat> when Pilate seemed to hesitate, they shouted. They erupted into a violent rage. We have our law. We have our king. We have it our way. Do away with this man. Crucify him. We won't submit. We will not have our traditions broken. When God comes into a man's life, there are a lot of traditions that he breaks. <laughs> and rightfully so. <clears throat> our traditions are transformed <laughs> to God's traditions <laughs> in his word. Uh, 
He is the chief cornerstone. One place in scripture talks about us being lively or living stones in the kingdom of God. Oh, I don't want to be a dead brick. <laughs> I don't want to be a dead stone. I want to be alive unto the Lord. Dead to sin, dead to the world, dead to self, but alive to God. <clears throat> the message of salvation requires we repent and confess our sins and believe. Repent, confess, believe. We have this verse 44 here in our text, Matthew 12, 44. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. I want to fall on him. But whosoever it shall fall, on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Hmm. I thought about the cultural trend. Oh, I don't know if I should say it. The cultural trend of people being cremated. Somewhere underlying in there, it looks like that they are implying that if I am ground to powder or ashes and scattered out over wherever they may want to be, that I won't have to stand before the Lord because I'll be erased into oblivion or, you know, <laughs> don't think that. Don't buy into that. Don't believe that lie. If God is able to speak and create something out of nothing, how difficult do you think it is for him to round up all those ashes <laughs> in a flash? There you are standing before him. Still, the day of reckoning will come. <clears throat> the cry of the world is, we will not be broken. We control our own life. We'll eat, drink, and be merry. Our pleasure will have no restraints, no restrictions. <clears throat> Coming to God for salvation requires, requires that we are to be broken. If we do not fall on the Lord, when that stone falls on us, remember the mills of God's justice grind slowly, but they grind exceeding small. There will not be nothing left undone when God sends a man through his mill of justice. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11, because a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the, son, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. I wish we had more time, but the choice is ours. We must choose the Lord or we reject him. Uh, we, we always, you know, we always have a need, and, and God always takes care of our need. We, uh, we desperately wanted to go to um, Alabama, and hopefully they still have their meeting. If they do, we'll definitely be going because God has provided a need for that. Um, we were uh, praying, praying. You know, we, we want to go to Alabama. Um, I'm not going to tell you the dollar amount because that doesn't matter. But I was in my closet praying at about 8:15 um, for this specific dollar amount for us to be able to go to Alabama with our whole family. 
and maybe even for somebody else. And um, by about 10.30 that morning, somebody had given us that exact dollar amount to go to Alabama. And it's not just, it's not just money, you know. It, it's everything that we need, whether it be uh, we need peace in our heart, we need joy, right? If we need monetary stuff, He's always there to give us exactly what we need at the exact right time. And I love Him, and I thank Him for that. Thank the Lord.
try to uh, get in. Um, and I believe that the scriptures that we have here, what God's laid upon my heart, I want us to, to consider. And I want us to think about it. So if you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Uh, these are the smaller epistles of John. John the Revelator. Amen. The Revealer of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the book of Revelations, if you're not familiar. And those that are able to, if you would stand with me uh, as we take our text here this morning. We'll start in verse 15. When you have it, say amen. amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word, Lord, is like a mirror, Lord, that shows us who we are. And I thank you, Lord, that your word not only shows us who we are, but helps us to understand others that are around us. Here this morning, Lord, I ask and pray that you would anoint us, anoint us with the sweet Holy Ghost. Come by and use us, Lord, as we bring forth this word. Help us, dear Lord, to examine ourselves and to understand those that are around us. And help us, Lord, to properly place each of us. Help us, Lord, to find ourselves in you and not in another, we pray. In Jesus' righteous and holy and wonderful name, that name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Here uh, this morning, I'd really like to talk to you about the word Antichrist. Now, there are many, many uh, uh, times that we will point to something, you know, in the Scriptures, and by definition, it does point toward Antichrist. But here, John the Revelator is the only one that uses this particular term, Antichrist. And it's defined uh, by the Bible uh, dictionary several different ways. Uh, Strong says it is the opponent of the Messiah. Thayer says it is the adversary of the Messiah. Mount says uh, it is the opposer of Christ. And the vocabulary of the Greek New Testament dictionary said that Antichrist well, I already said this was particular to John in the New Testament. But it means one who stands against Christ or one who stands instead of Christ. Uh, it also uh, means uh, 
one who is either stands in the place of the, uh, I can't pronounce this word very good, praetor or general, as an opposing general. Uh, John never uses the word false Christ here, but is because uh, false Christ mean, uh, basically means uh, um, someone who is pretending to be Christ. The Antichrist assails Christ by proposing to do or to preserve what he did while denying him. Listen to that. The Antichrist assails Christ by proposing to do or to preserve what he did while denying him. Antichrist then is one who opposes Christ in the guise of Christ. Uh, Westcott uh, remarked in uh, his writings uh, that when John talks about the sense of Antichrist is determined by the full Christian concept of Christ, not just as the Jewish belief of the Messiah or the anointed high priest uh, would, would be said. So in my simpler way that I like to talk about Antichrist is from Webster's. Webster says that Antichrist is made up of two words, anti, A-N-T-I, which is a preposition. I wouldn't have known that without Webster's, by the way. But anyway, a preposition signifying the meaning against, opposite, contrary, or in the place, uh, place of. And then the word Christ also in Webster means the anointed. Uh, it is the name that has been designated and given to the Savior of the world and is synonymous with the Hebrew Messiah, which means it is the same word as Messiah. So anywhere you see in the Old Testament the word Messiah, uh, you would also, it means Christ. Uh, it is a custom of antiquity to consecrate those persons who are of the priestly office or the regal offices, the kings and all that, to anoint them with oil. This anointing of oil is signifying of an unction. It is a spiritual move. It is a spiritual possessing of the Lord within that person. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Okay, just trying to make sure. Ah, y'all are quiet here. Amen. So in viewing this, in taking this approach, we see really and truly because of that anointing part, that it doesn't really only cover just Jesus, but it also covers the Holy Ghost. We are currently living in such a time that the workings, the manifestations, the miracles, amen, the blessings, the saving power, the keeping power are opposed by many, many people. And so by definition, if we are opposing Christ or we are opposing the Holy Ghost, that makes us somewhat antichrist. Hello? 1 John 2 and 22. Who is antichrist? Aren't you glad I asked that question? Who is antichrist? 1 John 2 and 22. Who is a liar? but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So here, clearly, it says, you know, that anyone who denies Jesus is the Christ. 
And a lot of people say, well, yeah, I believe Jesus is Christ. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not really what that's talking about. This is talking about a little bit more than just saying, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. How many of you in here believe in uh, Caesar Augustus? Yeah, there was a Caesar Augustus, huh? Y'all thought it was a trick question, didn't you? Huh? How about uh, Napoleon? Huh? Uh, Cyrus the Great. Come on, we believed in all that. So you, just because you believe there was a historical figure doesn't mean that you actually believe that Jesus is the Christ. Here meaning the Messiah. With a capital C and a capital M. Amen. The one who was the Son, the only begotten of the Father. Amen. Who came down to heaven to bring help and hope to us. Amen. And so anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed. Amen. Anyone who denies that is defined as Antichrist. Amen. Anyone during Jesus' time that was anointed with this oil uh, and even before that time was considered the anointed or the Christ. If I can tell you this, little c, okay? In our Bibles, we have capital C's, but there are places, I, could, I, I forgot to look it up to see, but it, you know, little Christ, antichrist, small c's. And so, but anyone who was anointed with oil, like King David, he was anointed of God. Yes. Amen. He was God's anointed. King Saul was God's anointed. Amen. They had unction. God had given them powers. And Saul had power. Amen. It was beyond his ability until he backslid on God. David, amen, because of his humility, held on to that anointing. Amen. There are others. You, you remember a man named Elisha? Huh? The Lord told Elijah, go and anoint Elisha. He's going to be your... He's going to be the one that's going to take your place. He was, he was a small Messiah. M. He was a small Christ. Not the Christ. Y'all getting this? Huh? Okay. And so uh, Aaron and also uh, uh, Elisha, I already said, uh, these were those type. But since the cross, since the cross, now we have Christians. Yes. Christians. Christ, the anointed. Amen. The little Christ, the little Christians. That's what Christians are truly supposed to be. Little Christ. Amen. We are not the Christ. We're not opposing Christ. We're on His side. We're His children. We're the bride. Amen. We're the church. Amen. Of the living God. We are the ones. Amen. And so when Paul, do you remember Paul? I mean, let me first say Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. You remember him? He was against the church and he killed people. Amen. He went after and persecuted them. He was Antichrist. During that time. Yeah. Aren't you glad that somebody can be Antichrist and get saved? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Hallelujah. Now I'm not talking about, some of us will say, capital A, 
the Antichrist. I'm talking about these other Antichrists. Amen. These others who are actually helping the Antichrist and helping the devil and opposing God and opposing themselves and opposing their friends. Amen. Jesus even said in Matthew 12 and 30, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. We're either for Christ or we're against Him. There's no gray space. There's no in-between. There's no riding the fence. Amen. You either are or you aren't. Amen. You might think you're riding the fence, but you're not. Amen. You've got to make a decision. Will you serve Christ or not? Will you be His or not? Uh, Jesus and His Word... Is the same. It is the same. We have over in First John it said, uh, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Talking of Jesus Himself. Amen. So if you're against Jesus, Amen. Then you're Antichrist. If you're against, um, uh, if you're also, uh, let's see, anyone who, ex- forgive me. Anyway, who, anyone who will not accept Jesus as their Lord is against Him. Amen. And Jesus, if you don't accept His Word, His concepts, His precepts, Amen, then you're against Jesus. Well, I'm for Jesus. I just don't believe in the Bible. That's Antichrist. Hello? Let me say that again. I'm for Jesus Christ, but I'm just not for His Word. You're Antichrist. His Word tells us who He is and what He believes and how He feels and what He likes and what He hates. Amen? It's only through His Word we can truly come to the place where we can know Him spiritually wise. Amen. Amen. And if you're against the moving and the working or the manifestation of the Holy Ghost, then you're Antichrist. Hello? Well, Brother Jeff, there's so much fake fire. Yeah, but you better be careful because a lot of times where there's fake fire, there's sometimes real fire. Okay? The devil has his imitations. Amen? He has his opposing forces. He has his pretenders. Amen? And so there is a true Holy Ghost. Amen? We've experienced some of it, I believe, here this morning. Amen? The moving of the Holy Ghost in our hearts and our lives that uh, makes us cry out unto the Lord and worship Him. I don't know about you, but when the Holy Ghost begins to move, I've I've got to raise my hands. I've got to worship. I just can't hold back. Amen? There's something within me that cries out. Amen? And so, what about you? Huh? Do you have Something in you that cries out to God and just got to worship Him? Amen. And if you are against the church, I've heard this too. Well, I, I'm not against Jesus and I'm not against the Bible, but I just don't, I don't want to have nothing to do with the church. Well, wait a minute. Christ came and died for the church. Amen. Amen. Now, not all churches have all the church in them. 
Hello? But you can't be against church. You can't be against the church, the bride of Christ, the body of believers. Amen? Or else you're against Christ. Antichrist. Sometimes we get so focused on, I think he's Antichrist. Huh? Hitler. Huh? Mussolini. Huh? Stalin. Huh? And then every single president we've had over the last seven years, people, one side or the other, whoever didn't like them, said, oh, they're Antichrist. Come on now. Quit looking for the big Antichrist and let's get down to business and say, am I being Antichrist? Am I being against the church? Am I being against God? Am I being against God's ways? Against God's peoples? Amen. And so, uh, we, we see that if we're not careful, we're looking all in the other areas. Amen. I want you to understand that um, really and truly, Antichrist, the devil, and the liars and deceivers, amen, if we are always just looking for them, it's going to end up hurting us. Amen. You know, who in here knows a hypocrite? Y'all are y'all are running so scared you won't raise your hands in church. Who in here knows a hypocrite? Okay, I'll take the nods, I guess. Uh, okay, we all know hypocrites. Hypocrites, one, the word hypocrite means to put a mask on, to play a part. Amen. You can tell those who genuinely are and those who have got the mask on according to how they walk through the tests and the trials and the hard times. And when it seems like everybody's against them, that's who you'll be able to find out. That's the place where the mask will come off. And you'll know what they are. Amen. And so, let me, another thing, point I want to make here too. If you're enjoying the company of sinners, if you are enjoying the company of sinners, then you could be on the way to having an antichrist spirit. You know, the people that we are with are the people that influence us. You want to know, uh, you know, that's a kind of a new... uh, uh, 2000 word uh, from the 2000 influencer, you know. Anyway, you want to know who one of the greatest influencers of my life is? My wife. Huh? And I'm sorry, I have a tendency to influence her too. When she's down, I try to lift her up. When I'm down, she tries to lift me up. And when we're both down, we're in trouble. (laughs) Hello? But also, the person you frequently with all the time, they will influence you. And so here in this statement that I made, if you're enjoying the company of sinners, amen, in time, amen, you'll enjoy the things of this world, the things that are against God, the things that are anti-Christ more than the things of God. Amen. Amen. We need to fellowship with God's people. 
And also remember, give them a break. Give them a break. You know, the best of us in here can have a bad day. Thank the Lord. Give them a break. Amen. Don't go off saying, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a holiness. Give them a break. Come on. Amen. Continuing on, because in uh, first, uh, first John and Second John, the only places in the Bible you'll find the word Antichrist. So that's why I'm talking about these. So in Second John 1 and 7, it says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Amen. And so uh, this word confess is, is really more than just saying, I believe he was born and, and lived and died. And, and, you know, I hope he went back to heaven. No, come on. To confess the word, amen, means to speak together with it. Amen. To speak the same language, to speak to be with one in that language. Amen. Uh, to, to be saying the same thing. Paul even said uh, in a couple of places, he said, all of your speech should be the same. Not that we all talk the same thing, but that when it came to the gospel, we all quote, quote the scriptures the same way. Amen. Hello? Y'all hear me on the back of yeah. Okay. All right. To hold the same language. I'm still talking about uh, um, that word, uh, confess it. Amen. To hold the same language, to agree with, to agree to the thing, to allow, to admit, to uh, concede, to grant to. Amen. Uh, I grant to you. I, I allow. I confess. I grant that to agree or to promise to do. Don't forget your promise you made to God. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Don't forget the promise you made to God. You know, if you came to an altar and said, Lord, I'm going to try you out for three weeks and then, you know, then that's one thing. But most people, when they come to the altar and pray or maybe pray at their house, they'll say, Lord, I'll live for you all my life. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never go astray. Amen. Oh, that's to confess. Amen. To confess who our God is and who we will serve. And so we're to do that. Amen. We're to agree with His Word. Amen. Don't fight the Word of God. Yes, but. Sorry. But. When you say yes, but, you're, you're, you're turning it all the way around. You're saying yes, but. Okay? Turn it around. And so here... He says, for many deceivers, deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Amen. Uh, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Amen. Deceivers are those people who are leading astray. Who are cheating. I used to play games. I'm not much a game person anymore just because I don't know. Anyway, I just don't don't have no convictions against some of them. I would have played softball with y'all if my joints had kind of agreed to it, but I wasn't feeling it. <clears throat> just wasn't feeling it that day, you know. But uh, 
used to play games with my, my brothers, and we'd be into the game, and finally I'm getting to understand it, and I'm beginning to pull ahead, and they pull out some rule that I never heard of before. And so, okay, so we go with that rule for a while, and then we go for a while, and then they pull out another rule. Hey, men, they're cheating. Hey, men, they're deceiving. They're changing the rules. Hey, men, they're trying to make it easier. They're making shortcuts. Hey, men, they're saying you don't have to do this. Yes, I know it's in the Bible, but remember what I said about that? But, hey, men, if you hear someone say that, hey, men, be careful. Amen. Because they are deceivers. They're smooth. Amen. They are trying to change your mind and your opinion. Back in first uh first John four and three it says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. And so this Antichrist spirit is here. You ever been laying on your bed? You know, just, just laying there, maybe you're trying to get ready to go to sleep and the thought comes to you. This is all crazy. That can't be. No. There's got to be a rational reason why. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Come on. Oh, uh, Jesus? Oh, no. I don't. No. I know he came in the flesh, but you know, the virgin birth, nah. I, I don't go for all that. Come on. Spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Amen. Somebody had to be his father. Yeah, it was God the Father. Yeah. Amen. No, because if it was God the Father, then that would mean that He was God. But yeah, that's what we're trying to talk about. Amen. And this flesh that Jesus had wasn't the same flesh you and I got. That flesh was without sin. Amen. Undefiled. It was the perfect Lamb. There was no Adamic sin there. There was no actual sin there. There was no intent of sin there. It was perfect. It was clean. It was pure. Amen. And God, amen, sent His only begotten Son, amen, to die on the cross for you and for me. And to deny any of that is to deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That sinless flesh. Amen. And so there are many... Amen. Who have the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist can come in many forms. A rejection of uh, the Word of God. The rejection of Christians. Amen. The rejection of uh, Sunday school. The rejection of the preacher. Amen. The uh, rejection of going out and doing what God told us to do in ministry. There's all kinds of ways that if we're not careful, the spirit of Antichrist will get a hold of us and we will begin to rebel and fight against God. And when you fight against God and against Jesus, by definition, that is Antichrist. Hello? Come on! 
You know, there's been times, even after I was a preacher, here being Sutherland, if someone else preached, and I come to an altar of prayer and just cry my eyes out and beg God to forgive me, because you know why? Sometimes we can't see ourselves. Through the unction of the Holy Ghost, those preachers would bring it down so close there was no misunderstanding about what's going on. And that's the way that you feel here this morning. There's no misunderstanding. Amen. That if you're not all in for Christ, you're all out. If you're not all in for serving Him, then you're all out. Amen. If you're not willing to follow Him and follow His ways, then you're all out. You're opposing Him. And not only that, come here, Logan. You know, Logan says to me, I got baptized the other day. Oh, well, that's real good. They dunked you, I guess they did, huh? Yeah, ain't nothing to all that, you know. People who talk like that, they can't cry. Logan, I ain't seen him yet, but man, I got blessed, and I run around the church, and the Lord blessed me, and man, I just felt something like electricity through my body. Oh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> kind of in a snide way. Disbelief. That's the spirit of man. Yeah, yeah. Right. Amen. Be careful! That you don't come against God. Be careful you don't come against the Holy Ghost. Be careful you don't come. God still performs miracles. God still saves souls. God still delivers. Amen. God still provides for. Amen. God still answers prayers. And if you say He doesn't, that's Antichrist. You're against Christ. We don't talk like this to everyone. When you see a sinner coming this way, they don't know. They don't understand. They, they, they don't have any place of reference. But when you see a Christian going that way, away from God, amen, then they may or may not even realize they've been turned over to a spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Amen. Teresa gives us a song. So how do we not leave ourselves open for a spirit of Antichrist? It is a spirit. You need to recognize and remember you are a vessel. You are a cup. You are a glass. You are actually a clay pot. Amen. Cracked. Amen. Sorry, people say don't say that, but that's what you are. Clay pot cracked. You leak out. Amen. And for you, amen, not to receive that spirit of Antichrist in you, you need to be full of the Spirit of God. Be full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. And uh, I love uh, just a few verses as we begin to close. Amen. Uh, John 17 and 3, and this is life eternal, that ye may know thee, the only true God, to really know him. Not to know about him, but to know him. Amen. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. 
Amen. And you say, well, who said that? Jesus said that. Yeah. Jesus is the Son. Yeah. Jesus yeah. is God. Right. He is the one. He is the part of God, if you'll accept it this way, that we can touch and we can feel and He knows our feelings. Amen. He knows us all. Amen. And not only that, but then when He rose again to heaven, He prayed to the Father to send the Holy Ghost down to be our comfort. Our God, amen, our refresher, our teacher, amen. He sent him. Uh, I think I used this the other day. Romans 6 and 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. You're going to have to get in Him. You want to be hidden from the devil? Stay in Christ. Stay in Him. Be covered. Amen. Paul in one place says, put ye on the Spirit of God. Amen. Put on Christ Jesus. Amen. Put Him on. Amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, Brother Jeff, I've been thinking some really bad stuff. You need the Spirit of Christ. You need a renewing. You need to get saved maybe. You need need for the Spirit of the Lord to fill you up. Because when you're filling up something like this, it'll push out all the other stuff. We need to be filled with His Spirit. Amen. One last verse here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. We've gotten away from Revelation teaching. I'm not talking about teaching on the book of Revelation I'm talking about having your personal revelation with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I was thinking about Jack up in that hospital bed. Amen. About to die. Amen. And he had a revelation of Jesus Christ up there. Amen. And God did a change in that man's heart and life. Amen. I've had my revelations. Have you had yours? The only way to protect yourself from the spirit of Antichrist is to be full of His Spirit. And let me tell you right now, there are many antichrists. Many, 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 many. Amen. Seem like more than we've seen in a long time in our country. Or maybe they're, Brother Robert, they're just coming out of the woodworks. They've been there the whole time. I don't know. But if you want to make sure, do you know that the antichrist is going to be able to deceive many. There will be some that sit in church and He will deceive them. And they'll take the mark. Amen. You better be careful tattooing your body. Lord, have mercy. Be careful. The only guarantee that you'll not be deceived by the Antichrist is to have the real Christ. To know Him. 
not just on Sundays, not on Wednesdays, but Sunday morning, Sunday night, all day Monday, all the way from the morning till the time you put your head down. Every day of the week, every day of the month, every day of the year. Scary, isn't it? Huh? Is it scary? Don't be deceived. We've been commanded, be not deceived. It's on us. Amen. Let's stand all across the house. Felt strongly about this message here this morning. He's on a rampage. There are good people who are going back. I'm so sorry to say, there are good people who are going back. And the only reason they've gone back is because they've allowed their old Adamic nature to come back alive. They've been hurt and they've become bitter. And then they take on an antichrist spirit. Don't take on an antichrist spirit. Instead, be full of the Holy Ghost. He's the only guarantee you got. The only guarantee you got. So while they sing this song, whatever you need, God's able to do it. You need to be saved, to be sanctified, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be renewed. Amen. He's in the house. And it can do, be happening today. God will do it for you. How does it feel? Good God.